Praise the Lord. Did you find 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you will prophesy with them and be changed into another man. And it shall be that these signs will come to you. Do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you uh, to offer a burnt offering and sacrifices of peace offerings. And you shall wait seven days until I come and you, to you and shall know what, it, what, I sh what you should do. Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel that God changed his heart and all those signs came about on that day. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in the house of prayer. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it with gladness of heart. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak this morning coming from the words of verse 6. That you shall be changed into another man. The word of the Lord came to a man named Saul. And this man would become the first king of the nation of Israel. And he was to be one of the um, Bible characters. One of the personalities of scripture that has one of the greatest highs and some of the lowest lows. Unfortunately, the story of Saul does not end well. It began very well, but it did not end well, and so we learn from that that it is not the beginning that counts, but the end. Somebody say amen to that. You need to say amen to that because some of you didn't have such a great start. But God is not so concerned with where you started. He's concerned about where you're going to end. And his word said that though your beginning was small, your end shall be great. And so we, we understand that God is working in our lives. And sometimes where he begins with us is not such a great place. Some of you he found broken. Some of you he found abused. Some of you he found addicted. Some of you he found sick. Some of you he found discouraged. He found half dead. He found rejected and abandoned. But thank God that he didn't leave you where he found you. He had a plan from the beginning for our life. Saul was a man who was physically very distinguished. The Bible says that he was head and shoulders taller than all of the rest of the men in the land of Israel. And God chose him to be the first king of Israel, but his personality, his character was one of a very timid individual. He didn't have much courage and he thought very low of himself. He had an inferiority complex. He didn't think much of himself. And so when God sets out to bring him in to his role as a, 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 the officer and the king over all of Israel, he has to change the man's nature into the nature of the man that he is going to become for the glory of God. 
That is God's work and God's purpose in every one of our lives. That He is making us new. He is making us that man or that woman that He desires us to be. The process at times is painstaking. At times it is slow and difficult. But God is at work in our lives producing in us the very thing that honors Him and that brings Him glory. So the Bible tells us that God arranged some things as he so often does in order to bring Saul into the place of his purpose. Saul was a part of a very wealthy family. His father was a wealthy man. And we know this because he had a lot of donkeys. And in the Old Testament, to have a donkey meant that you were living large. And if you had a lot of donkeys, then you were living really large. To have a donkey represented wealth, it represented influence, but this man had many donkeys. He, he had the, the, uh, the financial state and the financial ability to do any of the things that he would have wanted to do, but the Bible says that the donkeys escaped and they, they, uh, uh, many of the donkeys went off and, and needed to be brought home. And so uh, the father calls Saul and he says, Son, I need you to go find my donkeys. I remember when the, uh, the market crashed in 2008 and so many people lost uh, uh, m- m- uh, great uh, amounts of money. I remember hearing that they said that Warren Buffett lost about $18 million, or, uh, million dollars, I think, in an hour. And I thought, I'd like to find that. Wouldn't you like to find that? He lost it in an hour. In a moment, it was lost. This man had lost a great amount of his wealth. And he sends out Saul to find the donkeys. To chase after these things, these possessions. And Saul being a disciplined son, a good son, he goes to find the donkeys. But days pass and he hasn't found them yet. He's starting to grow discouraged. He's trying, he's starting to lose, uh, lose uh, the, the sense of the fact that he's ever going to be able to find them. And so his servant says to him, he says, you know Saul, over in this town that we are near, there is a prophet, a seer named Samuel. Samuel hears from God, and, and maybe if we go to him, he'll tell you where the donkeys are. So they decide to go to see Samuel. The Bible said that as they were going, the day before, the Lord had spoken to Samuel. God had whispered into his ear, literally the Bible said the Lord dropped it in his ear that he was going to bring to him a man named Saul and that this man would be anointed to be the king of Israel. And you begin to see that there are no coincidences with God. When God wants to move you from one place to the other, he'll do it without any effort on your part if he has to. God works sovereignly and divinely in our lives providentially to bring us into the place of purpose. Sometimes we think that we just happen to show up, that we just happen to get there, that we just happen to get that job, that we just happen to receive that call, but nothing just happened. God is at work in our lives. God is at work in providence to make sure that we are in the place of his divine purpose. If this morning you feel as though God has forgotten his promise toward you, you feel as though God has has neglected the things that he spoke over your life, you feel as though you have not achieved the things that you should have achieved by now, let me just tell you that God has no problem in moving you to the place of provision and to the place of purpose at a moment's notice. You just trust in him. Wait on him. 
Let him do this thing that he wants to do. So the scripture said that he arrives at Samuel's house, the place where Samuel was staying. And the scripture tells us that when Samuel sees him, he says to him, look, the Lord told me yesterday that you were coming. And he has made you the king over Israel. You are going to be the anointed king over all the land of Israel. And God has given you three signs. And the three signs that God gives to Saul are promises that God makes to every single believer and to you and I this morning. The first sign that he says, uh, that he gives to Saul, he says, Saul, tomorrow when you reach the place of Rachel, the place called Rachel, you're going to find that there are going to be some men there. And when you find them, they're going to tell you something. They're going to tell you that the donkeys that you are seeking have already been found. And they're going to say to you, pay no more mind to the donkeys because they have been found. I want you to know this morning that this is the first promise that God makes to the believer. He says to the believer, look, when I have decided to work in your life, I will take care of the things in your life that you were chasing after before. When God changes a man's purpose, he changes a man's character, he changes a man's destiny, there, are, there is a breaking away of the things that you used to love. And the things that you used to chase after. You see, some of you are chasing after donkeys this morning. And God has brought you to his house to tell you, Let, leave the donkeys alone. I'm going to chase. I'm going to take care of the donkeys. I want you to chase after me. I want you to get into my presence. I want you to pursue me. You see, when, when we go after the donkeys, maybe it wasn't a bad thing to go after the donkeys. They, were, they, were the, they belonged to him. They belonged to his father. But God had changed his purpose. God had renewed the thing that he was doing in his life. Why did this happen? Because the Lord said to, to Saul, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, and you will be made into a new man. And a new man has a new purpose and a new mission in his life. I don't know if you have experienced this yet or not, but I pray that you will experience it soon. That what Jesus called the new birth, the changing of an old man into a new man. That is God's objective for your life. He wants to change you into a new man. He told Saul, Saul, I'm going to make you a new man. I'm literally going to move you out of the place where you were into the place where you're going to be. I, I need to tell you this morning that religion has never made a new man. Religion has never changed a man. Religion can dress you up. It, it, can, it can put the right clothes on you. Religion can put a new vocabulary in your mouth. But it cannot change the heart of man. It cannot change the mind of man. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Jesus Christ alone can make you a new man. Are there any new men in this place this morning? Is there anybody that knows that when God comes into your life, he changes you. He makes you new, different. He changes your vocabulary. He changes your thought life. 
He changes the way that you work. He changes the way that you think. He changes the way that you eat. He changes the way that you relate to people. He makes a complete and total alteration of your life. Jesus said, you must be born again. There has to be a new man experience in your life. The Bible said that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And old things have passed away. And behold, all things have been made new today. God has sent me to tell you, forget about the donkeys you were chasing. You have been given a new, new purpose. You've been given a new, a new destiny, a new future with God. And that place of, of, of purpose is greater than anything you could have imagined before in your life. Speaking to some people this morning that God has called. God has put a call on your life, a, a mission, a purpose on your life, but you're chasing after donkeys. You're chasing after old projects, things that you used to feel called to, but God is saying, I'm changing the direction of your life. I'm changing the purpose of your life. I have a greater work for you to do. Some of you used to chase after pleasure. You chased after drugs. You chased after women. You chased after titles. You chased after fame. You chased after fortune. But then Jesus came and he gave you a new thing to chase. He gave you something new to follow. He said, come, follow me. And you've been following him and he has, you have discovered that he is renewing your life. Changing your entire way of life. So all the donkeys are taken care of. Don't worry about them anymore. Some of you lose sleep at night worrying about your donkeys. You lose sleep at night worrying about the things that you can't control. Worrying about a son or a daughter that's lost. Worrying about what's going to happen on the job. Worrying about what's going to happen in your, in your future. What's going to happen here or there. God says today, stop worrying about the donkeys. I've got the donkeys under control. I've got it under control. I'm going to settle the accounts in your life. You take care of me and I'll take care of you. I will do in you what no one else can do. Come on, somebody. Our God is able to take care of those matters in our life. Don't cry about it anymore. Don't, don't worry about it anymore. God says it's under control. When you begin to pursue God, you discover that the pursuit of God often means that you have to let go of some of the concerns of everyday life. When, when Abraham and Isaac went to Mount Moriah, the scripture records that Abraham said to the servants, stay here with the donkeys. The boy and I must go up to pray. There comes a moment in every one of a, every Christian's life when they have to say, you know what? Stay here with the donkeys. I've got to go up. I've got to go meet with God. I've got to go be in God's presence. You can worry about that stuff, but I've got to worry about being in the presence of the Lord. I've got to go worship. I've got to go higher. I've got to go deeper with God. And then the scripture says the second sign that the Lord gave to Saul was that he would come to another place. And he would meet three men that were journeying to Bethel, which was a place of worship. And they would be taking three goats and three loaves of bread and a jar of, of wine. 
He said, and when you meet with these men, you're going to, you're going to encounter these men who are worshipers going up to, to Bethel, but they're going to give you two loaves of bread. What do we see here is the second promise that God makes to every believer is not only that he will take care of the things that you are leaving behind, but also that he will provide for your needs today. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God is a need-meeting God. He is able to provide the daily bread of our life. And so often when we uh, encounter days of of lack and days uh, uh, in which we don't know how we're going to make ends meet, we find that God is able to bring something out of nothing. That God is able to provide out of a place of absolute lack. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking to people who have always had what they needed, but I'm talking to people that always had God provide on the moment and the need of the hour. They have seen God lay a table in the presence of their enemies. They have seen God put a table in the wilderness. I remember the story of George Mueller. He was a, a uh, missionary in London. He had the, uh, an orphanage. And on a particular occasion, he had about 100 orphans in his care. And that, that day, they had no food for the orphans. And uh, he called them into the, in the dining room. They all sat down and he said, we're going to give thanks. Bow your heads. We're going to give thanks. And I'm sure one of the staff members uh, thought, give thanks for what? We don't have anything to give, to serve. And Brother Mueller began to pray and he said, Lord, I thank you that you always provide. And while he was praying, his journal records that someone knocked on the door. They opened the door, and it was the milkman. And the milkman said, Brother Mueller, uh, we, we had a, a problem. One of our, our milk wagons got stuck, and if we don't drink the milk, it's going to spoil. Is there anything you can do with the milk? So they brought in the milk. The milkman left. Someone knocked on the door, and this time it was the baker. He said, Brother Mueller, we baked too much bread today, couldn't sell it. Is there anything you can do with the bread? So they brought the bread in, and uh, now they had milk and bread. But as if that was not enough, there was a third knock at the door, and this time it was the butcher. And the butcher said, Brother Mueller, I was about to close down the shop this evening, but the Lord said to me, take some meat over there to the orphanage. And they found that God is able to provide. Come on, somebody. Our God is able to meet our needs. Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread. What was God saying to Saul? Saul, I am going to give you the bread of your provision because you are on my payroll now. I am going to take care of you. I am going to meet your needs. Come on, give God praise because he meets our daily needs. But you know, aside from the physical, there is... Another need, which we all have, that is the need for spiritual bread. And so often we have come, I know, into this house hungry, in need of a word from God, in need of something to satisfy the longing of the human heart. 
And without knowing it, not even really understanding how, God, God brings his word right to, to our need, to our moment. The sermon is for everybody, but somehow God takes a word that's for everybody and he makes it personal. Has that ever happened to you? He's talking to the whole, to the whole congregation, but it feels like it's just feeding me because my shepherd knows my needs. He knows the, the things that I need to hear and the voice of God and the word of God comes to satisfy the hunger of the human heart, friend, when you have been changed into a new man and God has begun the work of, of changing our life. His word is always that bread that nourishes our spirit. It satisfies the longing of our soul his word comes at the right moment in the precise way that we need it in order to satisfy the longing of our hearts that's why if I were you I would never miss a single Sunday unless I absolutely had to because we need the word of God we need the bread of the word it is what satisfies it is what nourishes the soul of man the Bible said man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. One word from God can change your life. One word from God can restore your marriage. One word from God can heal your body. Come on, somebody. The word of God is able to meet your need, to satisfy. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. seems... It seems difficult to, uh, to believe, but if you've ever been on a, on a long fast, like that means longer than lunch, you know, several days fast, I have often been on a long fast, and I have discovered that when I go in at, at mealtime and start reading the Word, that somehow the Word fills my physical body. I don't know how that happens. But this word is so rich. This word is so powerful. This word is so in tune to the need of man's heart that it is able to meet the, the very depths of our soul. That Jesus, Jesus on one occasion was teaching and a woman said to him, Lord, even the crumbs uh, will do. We eat, we'll eat even the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She was saying, Lord, just a little morsel of your word will meet my need. Oh, that's the kind of faith we need today. The kind that says, Lord, speak to me. I need to hear your voice. You know, church, sometimes you've got to turn off the television because the television can't satisfy the hunger of your soul. Fox News and CNN can't satisfy the hunger of your soul. The radio can't satisfy the hunger of your soul. But the word of God is able to fill the, the need of the soul. It's able to satisfy the hunger of man. I think a lot of Christians, they walk around like Little orphans you see on television and feed the children. Skin and bones. Because they have not eaten the word of God. The prophet Amos said in the last days there will be a famine. Not a famine for bread or for water, but a famine of the word of God. 
A famine of the word of God because people will go to and fro looking for the word, but they won't find it. They're going to go into churches but find preachers preaching philosophy and psychology and man-made ideas. But God help us to always preach the word of the living God in this house because that is the alone what can save. Then he said to Saul, third sign, you're going to come to a group of prophets when you come among the prophets, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And you will be made into a new man. You're going to be changed. He, he gives to Saul the promise that God gives to every believer in Jesus Christ. Because you see, you can try to change yourself. But change never comes. I think if we're honest in here this morning, and I think we are, if we were honest with ourselves and, and with each other, we would all say there's something about me that needs to change. There's something in me that I don't like. I don't mean just the, the non-believer. I mean even for the believer. Every single one of us has things in our own life that need changing. Because we are on this journey, and this journey requires that you and I grow. It is a, a process of growth and maturity. And as you go, there are things that need to be changing and need to be uh, adjusted to what God has planned and purposed for our life. And so this promise is one that you and I must keep in our heart that God is about the business of changing men and changing women. And making them new, renewing their heart, renewing their mind, renewing their, their, their walk, renewing their process of thinking. There is a work that the Spirit of God alone can do in your life. Not all the books in the world that you can read can change you. But the Spirit of God can change your life. That's why we need the Word, because the Word of God brings transformation. The Word of God is a mirror. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is a mirror. When we see ourselves in the Word of God, we realize something in me needs to be changed. He says, the Spirit of God will come upon you, and you will be made into a new man. The Bible tells us about another man named Saul. This one was named Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a, a man who was adamantly opposed to the church and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one day on the road to Damascus, the Bible said that he had an encounter with the living Christ. He had an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter with Jesus changed his life. It transformed his, his entire being. From one moment to the next, he went from being a, a hater of Christ to a lover of Christ. He went from being opposed to the gospel to a preacher of the gospel. In one single moment, he was changed and transformed by the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, can that experience be mine? Yes, that experience can be yours. God is able to change the hardest of hearts. He's able to renew. You may have lived your whole life 
under the shadow of inferiority, under the shadow of rejection, under the shadow of failure. You may have lived your whole life uh, being told that you were nothing, but when Jesus gets a hold of you, he will turn that thing around and he'll make you mighty and he'll make you courageous and he'll make you bold and he'll make you strong and he'll make you holy. He'll make you holy. I'm going to change you into a new man. This was so powerful in the experience of Saul. The Bible said he got to Gilgal and he came among the prophets and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he began to prophesy. And when the people saw that Saul was prophesying, they marveled and they said, isn't this Saul? Has anybody ever asked that question about you? Wait a minute. Something's different about you. They said, is Saul a prophet now? Saul, who's always sheepish and quiet and timid, has nothing to say. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon that man, and he began to prophesy. He began to preach. I don't know if that experience has happened to you. Maybe it wasn't preaching maybe it wasn't prophesying but all of a sudden you were thinking different all of a sudden the things that used to irritate you you had a certain amount of patience with all of a sudden the people you couldn't stand you started loving and you look at yourself in the mirror and said who is this guy where did this girl come from can I tell you that when the spirit of God comes upon you he will change you Somebody came to you with a problem. He came to you with a mess in their life. He started giving them advice. And it was actually good advice. It was actually wisdom. And you thought to yourself, where did I get those words? Where did that idea come from? Where I don't even remember memorizing that verse of the Bible. But there it was on the inside because the Spirit of God changes you. The Spirit of God transforms you. Aren't you glad that he didn't leave you where he found you? You see, I know we're all changed. You're not who you were before you were converted. Say amen. But you're not even who you were when you were converted. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I'm getting closer to him. My life. Cannot be the same. Somebody says to me, Pastor, I, I got saved, but I never changed. I have to tell them, I'm sorry, buddy, but I don't think you got saved. Because when you get saved, you get changed. There's no way around it, friend. When you get saved, you get changed. There's no such thing as I got saved, but I, I never changed. I got saved, but I kept cussing. I got saved, but I still have this thing. No, when you get saved, you get changed. Your life is radically different. And Jesus alone can do that. They saw Saul and they marveled at him. They looked at him at the corner of their eyes. They said, this boy is different. Something has happened. Something has changed. I heard the story about a, a, uh, a man. His, he was an unbeliever. His wife was a, a woman who went to church. I, I didn't say she was a godly woman. I said she was a woman who went to church. And she was mean and 
cranky and cantankerous, and he didn't have anything to do with church because of his wife. He figured if that's what church will do to you, I'm all right by myself. But one day this woman had an encounter with God. She got filled with the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden she's making him breakfast. And she's treating him nicely and she, she's honoring him and she's showing him respect. And he called over to the church and he said, I want to talk to the preacher. I want some more of those phone calls, folks. He said, I want to talk to the preacher. They said, the preacher thought, oh boy, he's mad at me now. He said, hey, preacher, I don't know what you did to my wife, but it's working. You keep on doing that. And he had discovered that something had changed his wife. Do you realize the testimony that comes when you have been changed? When people look at you and say, wait a minute, something is different about you. You don't have the same personality. You don't have the same attitude. There's been a transformation in your life. And then they say, I want what you've got. I've got to have what you have because you have peace. You have joy. You have, you have a clarity of mind. You have tranquility in your soul. Saul had become a new man. And look, look how quickly this happened. Scripture says that when he turned his back to Samuel, in order to walk away, immediately his heart was changed. That's how quickly God can do a heart transplant. All he did was turn around. And the moment he turned, he had received a heart, a heart transplant. The prophet Ezekiel said that the Lord will take the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. Just that quickly. This morning, some of you need change. This morning, all of us need change. We need a change of heart. In some area or another. A transformation that only God can do. And whether you are a new believer or a young believer or an old believer, it doesn't matter. There's always more with God. Can you say that this morning? There's always more with God. You see, you have not reached the pinnacle of Christian experience. There's always more with God. I have to believe that. I have to believe it because I have seen it and I've experienced it. And I think if at 35 I feel like I have come this far with God, I can't wait till 70. I can't wait to be able to go day after day and year after year and month after month in exploring the glories of a God who loved me so much that he gave his life for me on the cross. Whose Holy Spirit is transforming 
and renewing my mind and my heart and my life on a daily basis. You say, yeah, but you're the preacher. Yes, friend, if the preacher needs renewal, the pew needs renewal. If the preacher needs change, the pew needs change. Because like it or not, in life, things get sticky. Bad attitudes will stick if you're not careful. Bad ways of thinking will stick to you. You go to work, you listen to enough people talk all the time, they start, you start picking up their mindset. You hang out with negative people long enough, you start getting negative. And before long, you start adopting other people's ways of thinking. And that's why we need renewal. That's why we need cleansing on a daily basis because we got to get that stuff off of us, that stuff that's sticking that God never intended for us to carry around and so that he can renew our mind and renew our heart and that renewal comes on a daily basis. It comes to those who desire more, who say there must be more. It's a deeper place that I can go with God. Let me illustrate this for you in closing. Jesus preached to multitudes. Thousands of people. But of the thousands, he chose 70. And he sent them out to preach. And of the 70, he chose 12 to walk with him. And of the 12, he chose 3 to be near him. You see... Every one of those groups lets us know that there is a deeper place that you can go with God. If you just want to eat uh, the, the bread of the other 5,000, you can eat that. But if you want to go nearer, you can go nearer. If you want to go deeper, you can go deeper. But of the three, there was one. Who the Bible said that at the Last Supper, he laid his head. On Christ. He wanted to be as close as he could. To the master. And when they began to write the gospels. You start to notice a very subtle difference. In the way they wrote. Matthew and, and, and Mark reflect the ministry of eyewitnesses. Through the gospels. And so they began to write. Luke also begins to write from eyewitness testimony. And they all began writing about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. But when John begins to write. He doesn't start in Bethlehem. Because John had come nearer. He had a, an insight that was beyond the man. And he begins to write, in the beginning was the word. How come Matthew didn't write that? How come Luke didn't write that? How come Mark didn't write that? Because John had heard the very heartbeat of God. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. And then He said, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness of the light. He himself was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, so, which coming into the world enlightened every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. And he came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to be called the sons of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of God the Father, as of the only begotten of the Father. John had made a choice. I want to know him. And he went deeper than all the others because he said there must be more. You know, I, you know why Saul's life ends in tragedy? It began so well it ended so poorly. It's a simple reason. He lost the sense of wonder of God. He lost the awe. When God becomes commonplace, when he loses the sense of wonder in our lives, we begin to neglect him. But when we come daily with a renewed sense of wonder that says, I want to know him, that change goes deeper and deeper and deeper, affecting the whole of man. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, this morning. If you would, just bow your heads right where you are. There must be more. In fact, the Bible said that God can do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask. Or even imagine. And so this morning, he invites us to come nearer, deeper, to renew our wonder and our awe at him. If God has become commonplace in your life, it's because you haven't been going any deeper. Today he says, Come. Draw nearer. I want to make you new. I want to change you. I want to make two invitations this morning. This first one is for those of you who would say, Pastor, I have never experienced the new birth. I don't know what it means to be made a new man or a new woman. But I need change. 
I need change in my life. And I'm ready today for that change to happen. I need that change to happen. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. I see you there. Anybody else? I see you there. Somebody else. You say, I need change this morning. Anyone else? I see you there. This is your day. Now, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and just come and stand with me at this altar. We want to pray with you personally this morning. This is your day. Elders, would you come, please? And just meet these people in prayer. They are so precious to God. They came to church for, for one thing, but God said, I have something else, something better. Now, I want to make this second invitation. That's to the whole body of Christ. You say, Pastor, there's things in my life that I've been chasing after. There are things in my life that I need changed. I need an anointing of the Spirit of God. I need a filling of the Spirit of God in my life this morning. If you're hungry for God, would you just come into this altar? Just put yourself in a place where God can speak. A place where God can touch you. He's saying to some of you, stop chasing the donkeys. I'm going to take care of that. You chase me. You pursue me. And watch me work. Almighty God, we pray for an invasion of the Spirit's power into this place. 